This is the Definitely Uncertain podcast. Each week, we look at how high net worth families can improve their lives, decisions and investments in a deeply uncertain world. We always aim to provide practical information, even if we can't offer specific investment advice. Today, we'll be looking at US real estate. My name is Darren Rockman, and I am a partner at Goldrock Capital. With me is Jay Zwiebel, Executive Managing Director at the Harbour Group, a US firm that owns over $12 billion in US and global real estate. Hi, Jay. Hi, how are you doing, Darren? Great. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So um, we're in another uh, crisis, the Corona crisis this time, which is always lots of fun. And as one of the people who uh, knows the US real estate market better than uh, most, firstly, how do you think uh, owners of US real estate are going to fare during this crisis? So we say real estate, and really we need to uh, approach every asset class separately. I would say namely there are two very major categories. The first would be retail and hospitality, and maybe in the second category, we put office and multifamily. So when it comes to retail, um, they came into the COVID-19 crisis um, kind of depressed. Uh, the past uh, years, we have the Amazon effect and had a very negative impact on, on retail, on, on malls, uh, shopping centers, and even high street retail as well. Um, and then on top of that, I would say the, an additional nail in the coffin was, was COVID-19. And just in April, there was a decline of 16.4% in retail sales in the United States. That's the largest decline since 1992. Wow. Clothing, the decline was almost 80%. And I guess we all can understand that. First of all, no one's buying anything, and no one's really wearing any clothing, except if they have a podcast. So, um, so, so that, I would say, is, is a, a sector that hit dramatically, really, really dramatically. Um, whether it's a quarantine or the stay-at-home policies, people are not buying. Is that, is that short-term, or is there a long-term impact to that? So, so that's why I was saying it came into this depressed and I think online shopping got even stronger. So I think this is here to stay. I'm not sure um, it would have the same long-term effect on restaurants. People still want to go out to eat. Again, I'm not talking about the next 12 months, but people still want to go out to eat. Um, people still do um, buy their, their groceries. Um, but when it comes to apparel, um, electric appliances, I, I think it's safe to believe that some of the crisis is here to stay. Um, okay. So we'll definitely, um, and by the way, we're seeing J. Crew is bankrupt, JCPenney is on the verge of going bankrupt. So a lot of these companies are not even going to survive. Let's look at the other side at Office, and I want to take these separately. Right. Office, and what this does to Office and demand for Office, there's a lot of talk around whether or not people are going to stay at home, work from home and all of that. And then we can talk about residential. Right. So when it comes to office, first of all, what we're seeing today is the strong balance sheet tenants, they're paying, whether they're impacted or not impacted by COVID-19, they're, they're paying. Then you have the, the SMBs. There, I think you're starting to small, see more small hardship. businesses. Exactly. And again, I wouldn't say in our portfolio, we don't have a lot of smaller tenants, but for sure, I would assume that we should be seeing 
some of those in difficulties. But specifically in office buildings, I would say the fitness centers are basically not paying. They're closed, have no idea what their future is going to be. We have the stores, the retail, which again, generally not paying unless they're convenience stores. And some coffee shops are paying. And then, of course, we have the co-working spaces. The co-working spaces um, are basically empty. Their leases are short-term. Many of their leases are short-term, although some of them did move into longer-term tenants. Um, so those also are going through difficult times. And, and this is something you and I have talked about also before, which is this problem that the WeWork model had around long leases that they had in their building versus short leases that they had with their tenants. Do you think that this is the end for the WeWork model? No, I don't think so. I think the WeWork model just had to come into perspective. They got weak balance sheets um, and they're the first to suffer. When we talk about office in general, so in advance of this, actually, we ran a little gold rock poll on LinkedIn to see what people wanted to do when they went back to work. And uh, we found small sample, but we found that 55% of people who responded wanted to work in an office only between one and three days a week. Um, what do you think business owners are gonna do in terms of their leases? Are they gonna lease the same amount of space next time around as they are at present, or is that gonna change? Yeah, that, that's, the, that's, a, that's a tough question, but a good one. So if, we, if we're listening to what some of them are saying, so the CEO of Morgan Stanley said they're gonna occupy less office. It, Twitter, uh, I guess they tweet to their employees that they don't have to come to, off, to, to the office forever. <laughs> that's, that's a quote. Um, I'm also hearing from high-tech companies, and I think it really depends on the, on the nature of those employees. They're actually more productive at home because they are young, they socialize at work. If they're single, so they're home, they were at home alone. So they actually were more productive. Um, so I think that would be on the negative side of going to the office. On the other side, on the other hand, I think people still want to collaborate. They want to socialize. Um, I think the employers will have better supervision, better control over people that come to the office. Um, I think the average size or space per employee may grow. So it could be that we'll see lesser space, but better quality of space. One thing we need to remember is many of us can work from home, but there are people that don't have that ability to work from home, um, whether they have young kids or they don't have the extra room that they can sit and, and work. I think net-net, it would have a negative effect. I'm not sure to what extent. Um, but I think we will see some changes. So if we switch away from office and now look at the multifamily market, which is another market where you guys at Harbor have uh, a lot of expertise and a lot of depth of knowledge, what do you think this crisis is gonna do to multifamily investing? And is it gonna have a real change? Remember, you know, last time the crisis was all about housing. What's gonna happen this time? Right. So first of all, I'll tell you what we've seen. And we have 40,000, 45,000 units that we manage. So I think it's a, a good, gave us a, or gives us a good picture of what's happening. So beginning of March, we were very concerned about multifamily, about collections. 
we cut all extra expenses, we, we stopped every capital project that we had, and we even encouraged tenants to, to um, sign new leases for another 12 months at the same rent. We, didn't, we actually did not reduce rents, but saw no increases, but we tried to do that as well. Um, and then came April, and the collections that we had in April were 93.8%. Just to compare, um, February was 96. Right. So it's a so reduction. But really not even close to what we expected. And then we said, okay, May is going to be bad. Right. So currently May is better. May 15th is better than where we were April 15th. So I think for the first time in the United States, people are putting their rental payment before their car payments they're not driving, so they have less, less expenses. Um, the multifamily is somewhat of a safe haven. Um, again, it's their people home, and they, they, they do everything they can. The CARE Act helped that as well. They do everything they can to make their rental payments. Okay. So at least currently, um, we see it as being, or well, weathering this storm relatively well. A much, a much um, better position than we were in in 2008. That is correct. But I do think that the effect would be different from what, um, from the effect that we've seen in 2008. Okay. So if, if, I, if I summarize the position, retail and leisure, a lot of uncertainty, potentially a lot of danger. Moving into commercial and office, some uncertainty around demand going forward, but a lot more stability. And then we move into residential and multifamily. And there, the picture, at least for the moment, seems relatively good. Yeah, I think leisure is, is definitely dangerous, but I think can be interesting for some investors. Within that world, what are you guys seeing as the most interesting opportunities today in U.S. real estate? I think that, like we said, in terms of fundamentals, multifamily is, I, I don't want to say the word healthy, but definitely okay. No rental increases now, but perhaps we will see it a year from now when the value add it comes back and people will start um, living in an increasing rent environment. Uh, rent environment. But um, when it comes to, to the capital markets, first of all, currently we're not seeing the pricing changes that we're, like we're seeing in retail and hospitality. Um, we're not really seeing, I mean, the market for sure has softened, there are no deals now, but you're not really seeing price declines. What will drive that will be mostly the financing markets. And that's when sponsors need to refi their loans, um, developers need to get out of their construction loans, and that's where we may see, and I hope we'll see uh, opportunities. How far out is that? It may be a quarter or two from now. Maybe next quarter we'll start seeing that because um, when it comes to multifamily, Freddie, Fannie, and other lenders give the sponsor the right to to request forbearance and not pay their rent, not pay their mortgage payments. Um, other lenders is doing that as well, doing that as well. So as long as they don't pull the trigger, no one will be pressured to sell. Okay. So the pressured sellers will come. It, it would be maybe next quarter. We've seen a few of them, but not many. And I think we'll see that from developers with condos that are ready to go but are stuck in their inventory and we perhaps will see it when it comes to multifamily on loans that are maturing um, and we're seeing it to a certain extent on deals that were 
signed pre-COVID-19 and need to close now, they are having a hard time getting the financing that they, they were supposed to get or expected to get. So in, in terms of, of the office market, I think the driver will be the same. It, it may come to, from the financing side. Um, and, and again, you'll see it mostly on sponsors with over-levered properties than having difficulty paying their mortgage payments. Okay, so no opportunities as we stand today, but possibility for things coming through the pipeline uh, as we move towards the end of the year. All right, Jay, thank you very, very much. This has been really uh, eye-opening and uh, thanks for your input. Uh, Jay Zwiebel of the Harvard Group and uh, look out for more podcasts uh, coming your way soon from Goldwell Capital.